So we're going to be reacting to the seven jaw-dropping details in the life of Dan Pizarian, the king of Instagram. And the reason why I wanted to do this is because, well, one, he's always had this persona of being a super wealthy individual. But as some of you may not know that might listen to this, that's not really the case. But let's get right into it. So Dan Bazarian branded himself as the king of Instagram, even though at the time of this writing, his is ranked as the 140th most followed account on the site. And he's coming for you, Brazilian singer Yvette Sangalo. He's also an actor, entrepreneur, venture capitalist, millionaire, playboy, former high-stakes poker player, recreational weed magnet, two-time Navy SEAL runner-up, and possibly the most suspiciously lucky man to have ever walked the earth. Now, if you've managed to come this far in life without knowing who this man is, please turn back now. The extravagant lifestyle he projects is pure elitist entertainment. He has the kind of rabid and toxic fan base that's normally associated with wild raccoons, and he has spawned so many other Fake it till you make it copycats on social media. That is hard to tell what's real anymore. However, if you were to look at Dan's life under even the world's least powerful microscope, there are so many batshit crazy details that will quickly send you down a rabbit hole of bemused skepticism. The man really is the Forrest Gump of douchebaggery. Now, it's important to note just how much I try to give this guy a fair shake when starting to write this article, but there are just so many cartoonishly asinine aspects of this man's life that it was hard enough to narrow it down to the greatest hits, let alone resist the temptation to make fun of him. It's really difficult to not dunk on this guy when he keeps lowering the rim all the time. I mean, just look at him. He looks like a villain in a poorly rendered PlayStation 2 game, and he's walking. He's a walking pair of tactical cargo shorts. He looks like if the Smirnoff Ice Challenge was a person, and he looks like Zangief's little brother. Okay, got a lot of it out of my system. Let's begin. Now, here's the thing, right? This was basically just like, you know, crapping all over Dan Bazarian, like this little intro, right, that this uh, person who wrote this article did. But the thing is, he's technically not really, or she, whoever wrote this article, isn't really wrong in what they're saying, right? Because the thing is, if you were to ever like listen to any of his uh, interviews or podcast or like anything dealing with him talking, he's an intelligent guy, but at the same time, there's like a point where you end up saying like, is this what would happen to like any guy that just gets like a crazy amount of money? Like I feel like he's basically the example of if like a teenager literally had millions and millions and millions of dollars in their bank account and they didn't have to work a job like at all. So number seven, his entire poker career may have been a bluff. 
Dan Bizarian attended the University of Florida to study business and criminology, an interesting choice in majors for the son of a Wall Street felon. It was during this time that his brother, Adam, taught him how to play poker, and Dan quickly got himself hooked. As Dan likes to tell it, his online poker habit caused him to be broke by sophomore year, so he sold two of his guns for $750 and tried his luck one more time. Most recovering gambling addicts would call this hitting rock bottom. But apparently not for Dan. He claims to have used that $750 to play poker on a gambling boat and turned into $10,000 in a week. So he turned $750 to $10,000 in a week. He then flew to Vegas and allegedly turned it into $187,000. Then he began to enter professional tournaments and even competed in the 2008 World Series of Poker main event, placing 180th and winning $36,000, meaning this is like basically not far really like at all. Dan eventually soured on the idea of being on the professional circuit and stuck to private high-stakes cash games instead. In November 2013, he posted that he had won $10.8 million in a single night, and for all of 2014, he claims to have won over $50 million on playing private cash games. Now, here's the thing, right? I'm not denying that there's a potential possibility of someone doing this, right? Technically speaking, someone could potentially win nearly $11 million in a single night of playing poker if all you're hanging out with, like, billionaires and millionaires, Right? Now, the $50 million, you could still technically do that. But that being said, could he pull it off specifically? Could he? Don't really know, right? And I haven't seen any of his skills in playing poker and all that kind of stuff, right? But here's the thing, right? It is unlikely that he did it, right? And also, the story of him turning $750, right, into $10,000 and then $187,000, this is basically the worst like path that anyone should ever take to trying to make money, right? Now, there's nothing wrong if you want to become like a poker player and you start doing your skills and you start practicing it and start getting better at it and you're very consistent, right? But the way that his story lays out is that he failed multiple times, and then bet it all and kept betting it all until he kept making a lot of money, right? Basically, just like going like all in all the time, right? In a sense, right? You know, going all in with 750, going all in 10,000, going all in 187,000 to keep going on and on and on, right? That's a very risky way to try to make money regardless of what you end up doing. So that's not something that you should really follow as an example, Of course, there's no reason to be suspicious when a man who is doing moderately okay on the professional poker circuit suddenly becoming a multi-millionaire playing private cash games around the same time he was finally given access to his trust fund set up by his white-collar criminal father, right? Or that a man who creates the spotlight this much wins the bulk of his net worth off-camera and with no one willing to admit to having lost to him. Now, here's another thing too, right? 
The funny thing about Dan Bazarian is that let's say that he did fake everything, right? And he did have access to basically the net, his like trust fund that allowed him to do all these different things, right? The massive size of his social media would actually allow him to live the lifestyle that he wants to live. It would allow him to make as much money as he possibly ever wanted to and also allow him to probably sleep with a bunch of beautiful women if he felt like it, right? Like, that's the crazy thing about this situation is that even if he did fake everything, he ended up turning it into something that he could actually use to get something genuine. It's like a weird fake it till you make it if he actually ended up faking it. And surely there's nothing to read into this around the same time professional poker players like Doug Polk started posting videos analyzing the few games Dan actually played on camera and determined he really wasn't a skillful enough player to be able to pull off such massive wins. Dan decided that poker really wasn't his thing anymore and convenient like James Bond's gadgets level convenient. Number 6. Instagram probably has to install extra servers to contain this much ego. Dan Bazarian started posting pictures of his life to Instagram in 2012. His earliest posts are rather bland compared to what his feed is today, but once his wealth really took off, so did the craziness of his behavior. He admits it himself that once he had all this money, he decided to just cross everything off his bucket list. The result of which, as you can tell from his Insta feed, answers the question what would happen if a can of hacks suddenly became sentient and won the lottery. Funny enough, that's actually pretty spot on because basically everyone kind of like knows of like the can of vax like when you're like a teenager especially if you're like a teenage dude that's basically like the uh, spray on deodorant that you ended up using and there's even like hair gel and you get like spiky hair gel and like basically this is like again what i mentioned his lifestyle what he does is pretty much what a teenager would have done if he just had massive access to millions and millions of dollars without really any responsibilities. So his online persona is emblematic of the alpha bro mindset, wild parties, hot girls, extravagant locations, expensive cars and private jets, celebrities, and even the occasional exotic animal. I believe he actually like posted with like a bear or something before. And there are also lots of pics of him firing off big guns and working out because alpha there's nothing inherently wrong with any of this if that's how he wants to spend his money. That's his business. That's his image. That's his brand. More power to him. It's just hard to look at some of these posts and not have every question because a lot of them are just baffling. Why is he playing chess with his buddy with what looks to be $950,000 in cash stacked up around the table? Why would he even need that much cash at home? Why did they say at the bank when he made that withdrawal. He didn't attempt this at the drive through teller window, did he? Is this accountant just out of frame freaking the hell out about what that money could be earning in a high-yield mutual fund? And finally, assuming this money is the wager on this match, why is he taking a damn phone call when there's almost $1 million on the line? Focus, man. Focus. I gotta say, like, again, this article is from Cracked, and I love how they write their articles because they make it extremely entertaining. Now, it's one thing to have more money than you know what to do with, but it's another thing to demonstrate that to such a degree that these will be the photos Dateline NBC will zoom in on slowly 
when they cover your inevitable bankruptcy. Mel freaking Gibson. Who's helping, hurting, whose reputation on this one? Without looking at the caption on Instagram, you'd never be able to guess in a million years that these two are talking about in this photo. It could be stem cell research. What and why does everything taste like copper right now? Anyone else smell burnt toast? Burnt toast, and of course, this happened. Number five, he once threw a porn star off a roof and blamed them. So in April of 2014, Dan Bazarian took part in a photo shoot at his house for Hustler magazine with adult film star Janice Griffith. At some point during the photo shoot, it was decided to get a shot of Dan throwing Griffith off the roof of his house into the pool below. Janice missed the target by this much and broke their foot on the side of the pool. Now, the video is like age-restricted, so we're not going to like check it out. Now, it's important to note that Griffith agreed to being thrown off the roof, but maybe not for it to also include the kind of weird crotch groping you rarely see outside of a prom limo. Nevertheless, Griffith asked Bizarin for $85,000 for pain and suffering, which he flatly refused to pay. Once lawyers got involved, Dan's attorney responded with a letter that is exactly what you'd expect from the kind of lawyer that would accept Dan Bizarin as a client. The letter pinned the blame for the incident on Hustler magazine, as well as Griffith for the injury, pointing out that Janus had grabbed Dan's shirt as he threw, causing the toss to fall short of the pool. The letter included many epically assholish quips, including, like your client, the facts of the claim won't quite fly. But Hustler's lawyers took it one step further, stating the injuries were an act of God, which is a pretty flimsy Legal argument are one hell of a compliment to Dan Bazarian's ego. Number four, hero, hero complex in Las Vegas. So on October 1st, 2017, a man named Steven Paddock opened fire on the crowd attending the Route 91 Harvest Musical Festival in Las Vegas from his suite on the 32nd floor of Mandalay Bay Hotel. 60 people were killed, 411 were wounded, and 867 people were injured in the resulting panic, and it was the deadliest mass shooting committed by an individual in American history. Dan Bazarin was there that night and made it out safely. Then he tried to make his way back in. He decided he needed to become the mythical good guy with a gun. The only problem was he was missing the gun. He did, however, have his gun permit and fake police credentials on him. So he first tried to find a gun in an open police truck near the stage, and when he struck out there, he tried begging a nearby officer to give him one of his. The op that officer understandably responded by saying, Get the F away from me right now. Dan even uploaded the footage himself. So, basically... It's like a screenshot of basically the situation of him actually like interacting with an officer in this whole situation. Now it's honestly impossible to know how to react to seeing him get rejected like that and it's objectively hilarious considering what we know about Dan Bazarian as a person. But it's also taking place in the middle of a horrific tragedy. It's sort of like watching a circus clown frantically putting a bunch of balloon animals in front of a crashing plane. Yes, this is a deadly serious situation, but did you see that clown? Please tell us when it's okay to laugh at that part. Number three, Ignite International Brands LTD. So in 2018, Bazarian founded Ignite International Brands LTD, a company that handles the branding, marketing, licensing, sales, and distribution of a wide range of cannabis products. 
and aims to position itself as the world's first global cannabis brand in an industry that has seen a growth rate of 38% this past year alone, Ignite and its CEO Dan Bazarian have managed to pull off what many market watchers thought was impossible. Take a $50 million loss selling weed. Now, many blame the company's woes on poor management and organization. After all, Ignite is currently on its fifth president since it was founded, and its most recently ousted CEO, COO Curtis Heffern, Heffernan filed a lawsuit for wrongful termination and defamation after blowing the whistle over the company's outrageous spending habits, namely Dan Bazarin's expense account. And this was like a whole big deal in like the news cycle. Like it was such like an absurd thing like where he was spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars very quickly very often very consistently on absolutely useless things so what kind of expenses has dan allegedly been charging to the company well for starters there's a fifteen thousand dollar ping pong table 50k for a bed frame, a Star Wars gun set valued at $65,000, a $75,000 paintball field, a six-figure trip to London, and $200,000 per month rent on the $65 million mansion he's been bragging about owning, which he never owned. And the company also allegedly spent $26,000 to boost Dan's Instagram followers, and Ignite's financial reports even listed transportation for hot models as a write-off. And just to be clear, on a corporate financial report, it was apparently necessary to point out that the models were hot. Now, this kind of reckless spending is like something you'd see in a porn parody of the Wolf of Wall Street. Yet Ignite has managed to stay in business due to Dan Bazarian brokering new and oddly secret investments in the company and even putting his own money back into the company himself. This money has to be coming from somewhere, which brings us to... So number two, so back to his dad. Dan's father was Paul Bazarian, a notorious corporate raider back in the 80s who was convicted of fraud charges and sent to prison when Dan was just 10 years old. Paul was also slapped with a $1.5 million fine after losing a civil suit brought in the SEC, and he was ordered to pay back $33.1 million in profits from his crimes plus interest. That tab is now up to $62 million, with only $3.7 million paid so far. And the federal government has spent $8.6 million in their efforts to collect on it over the years. So why has the government had such a hard time getting the money out of Paul Bizarian? Because he hid all of his money in a tangled web of trusts, offshore accounts, and shell companies that the feds have been trying to unravel for 30 years. He's also declared bankruptcy twice to try to get out of paying, and since 2007 has been living in St. Kitts, a country beloved by corporate criminals for its ethics-optional tax laws. And in 2019, he renounced his American citizenship, finally giving in his cramping middle finger for Uncle Sam a rest. And the Heffernan complaint also notes that Paul was involved in Ignite's management meetings. Further, Paul Bizarin is also legally forbidden from being in control of any publicly traded company in the United States, which may explain why Ignite is only listed through the Canadian Stock Exchange. Plus, in 2018, Dan, Paul, and Dan's brother Adam flew to Armenia to obtain citizenship there. And so Dan could join the Armenian Armed Forces. 
The Bizarian family is proud of their Armenian heritage and is admirable that they wish to reconnect with their ancestral homeland. Surely it's just a coincidence that Armenia does not have an extradition treaty with the United States. And number one, what's next? Given his track record, it would be incredibly easy to root for Dan Bizarian's downfall. That is an understandable impulse, but there's a huge difference between wanting him to crash and burn and expecting him to. The fact remains, this guy's story is definitely not going to have a happy ending. He will be studied in business schools for years as an example of what not to do, or at the very least be the inspiration for an episode of Law & Order SVU. The downward spiral has already seemingly begun, and the guy seems to take more and more pleasure lately in taunting his haters and feeding on negative attention. There's just one problem with playing to the haters. It's simply not a sustainable business model, and in order to maintain the supply of hate flowing in this direction, he has to keep upping the ante on his own dickishness to keep up with his demand. Eventually, he will cross a line he will not be able to uncross. And it's important to not get your hopes up waiting for the inevitable schadenfreude, because given the way this man has behaved so far, he seems like exactly the kind of guy who'd take as many people down with him as he possibly can, and looking at the events of this man's life is like watching a NASCAR race. It's fast-paced, action-packed, has way too many bizarre corporate sponsorships, and a crash could happen at any second. Don't get lower-level seating for this one. In either way, you know, this is like a pretty spot-on article, and a lot of people, again, have like different views on Dan Bazarian as a person, business guy, all that kind of stuff, right? But pretty much, you could do probably like the majority of what he's done for like his lifestyle by simply just being debt free and having money available to you on a consistent basis, right? Now you wouldn't be able to do the stuff that he does like every single day, but you could still go, you could still do somewhat of his lifestyle, right? Because people think that like flying on like private jets is like super expensive. Right, you think you could be like a multi-millionaire to fly in private jets? That's not actually the case. You could actually fly on a private jet, like especially within your own state, for like a few hundred dollars. And if you like end up splitting that with like a few people, well, like, I think it's about like a thousand or two thousand dollars for like a very short trip, like maybe like thirty minutes of like airtime. But if you were to have like six or seven people split that with everyone, that's a couple hundred dollars each, right? So it's not really that expensive to fly private jet, right? It's not really expensive to go like ride on like a yacht. It's not really expensive to have like very beautiful women around you, right? That comes with just like social cloud or just, I guess, paying models to be around you or something. But either way... What you could really learn from this is to not live your lifestyle how he lives, where you're spending all the money that you make, right? Well, like because what here's the thing, right? What's the point of making millions and millions of dollars, but you're spending even more than what you're making, or that you're spending more than what you actually have to the point where you actually lose like fifty million dollars in a business that should have been able to easily turn a profit with his following and the type of stuff that he's involved in, right? Like, it makes no sense to lose $50 million on a cannabis business, right? So it's very interesting, but never live your life the way that he lives it. And one side fact, for those that have not seen it, but there was a clip of him where he talked about it, and he basically said, the problem with having so much money, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, the problem with having so much money is that 
you start to lose how happy you are at different levels, right? Because he was saying like, you know, when I first got my first car at like, and it was like a Mustang, and this is him talking, right? I was at like a level 10 of happiness, right? When I, you know, bought like a brand new house for like millions of dollars, I was, I was at a level 10 happiness. When I bought a Lamborghini, I was at a level 10 happiness. When I bought a Ferrari, I was at a level 10 happiness, right? But when I went to go back and buy a Mustang again, I was at like a level two happiness, meaning that he always had to stay at the same level or get higher, meaning go to the next degree, or else he just would not feel the same happiness that he did when he first got his very first car, which was the Mustang, right? And so it's basically like a kind of a weird treadmill where you're like you're constantly walking uphill because if you stop walking, you're just going to slide back down. So it's very interesting. But uh, yeah, we'll see you in future episodes. If you want to learn how to get out of debt, go to 40 and feel free to give your thoughts about Dan Bazarian and his life. Hey, this podcast is sponsored by our personal finance courses. So if you have problems with mastering your money and you need help, go down below and learn how to master your money. And this is a plan that anyone of any income level can follow. It is simple and easy to follow for any income level in any situation. And it's very straight to the point. And if you want to learn how to make money online, go down below as well. And we'll see you in future episodes.